morning. I want to welcome everyone to Come and Reason's uh, Bible study this morning. My name is Russell Atkins. I'm filling in for Tim Jennings while he is away. Let's start with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we approach you this morning uh, as our Creator and our Redeemer, and I want to thank you for being a God big enough to speak the world and our solar system into existence, and yet being loving enough to kneel down in the dirt and form mankind with your hands and in your image. We've got our study this morning as we delve into what exactly it means to be created in God's image. And I ask that you be with those of our group who are not with us this morning and bring them safely back in the weeks ahead. In the name of Jesus, amen. amen. We're studying lesson number three uh, in our quarterly Growing in Christ. Uh, the title of the lesson is Mankind, God's Handiwork. Uh, in Sabbath's lesson, the key thought, we'll just, well, you know what, before we get into this, let me ask, uh, let me ask this. <clears throat> How many, is there anyone in here that has questions about the origins of life, creation versus evolution? And we're not here to judge you. Is 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 anyone? Are we all pretty settled into our ideas? Yes, no, maybe. Okay. Um, I should probably ask if is everyone awake. No, I'm, not, I'm not. I'm not getting a. I'm, not, I'm getting some blank stares. <clears throat> All right. Next question. Uh, do do you encounter during your daily routine uh, people who are of a different opinion than than you? I, I'm I'm assuming that we all that we all are in the creation camp. Uh, do you encounter on a daily routine people who? Uh, Firmly believe in evolution, origins of life. I saw one hand, two hands. Um, okay, I, I don't. I don't routinely come in contact with uh, with people who are uh, in the evolution camp. So perhaps my arguments and my persuasions are, are rusty because of that. Um, I, I think we need. I think we need some sort of foundation to make our to make a compelling argument for why we believe what we believe, and I think I think that the argument that just because the Bible said it and I believe and that settles it is is lacking a little bit. So uh, as we delve into this, let's let's think about how uh, how we can orient ourselves uh, and how we can, you know, maybe firm up a foundation for why we believe what we believe. And when we do encounter those who are of a different mindset, then we can also think about how we can present the truth as we know it in a loving manner and leave them free to make their own decisions. Uh, The key thought for Sabbath's lesson, God created humanity in his own image, sin defiled that image. God's plan is to restore that image in us. Does that make sense? Makes complete sense to me. Uh, My first question is, what does it mean to be created in God's image? Any thoughts? Still awake? Yes. 
Because the character of God was the issue in the controversy between God and Satan. So God was doing something in order to to emphasize his image and to show, to demonstrate to the universe what his image really is. Okay, uh, this, is a, this is one of the reasons why mankind was created, uh, to provide evidence uh, that uh, you know, Satan's arguments were incorrect. But, but what exactly does it mean to be created in God's image? Well, the first thing I think of is, is love. His character. Yeah, and, and our, uh, yes, our characters should be developing and in, in to be just like Christ when he was here on this earth. And we're promised that the Holy Spirit will do that if we will allow them to. Okay, so we're, talk, uh, we're talking about the, the existence of, of Adam and Eve prior to the fall. Okay, so the original intent was that they were to love one another and to look out for one another's best interests. Is that is that where you're going with that? Yes, okay. And they were also, I think, that they were they must have resembled somewhat the form of God. Okay, so you think there may have been some physical characteristics yeah. that were uh, similar as well. Uh, I don't see a lot of uh, baboons and monkeys around that look like people. Well, I may, you know, that could be uh, questionable. But anyway, <laughs> why are we in the image that we are now? Do you think man and his... I know that he has deteriorated as far as form is concerned, but I do believe we were created in the image of God. Standing up, walking, started out as infants, grew into childhood, and on into maturity. So, so me to believe in evolution. So there's an idea that uh, you know, God has a, a head, a face... Two eyes, two ears, a nose, a mouth, teeth, um, two arms, two legs, upright walking. Well, we know Christ does. But Christ took on humanity right. for the sake of taking on humanity. But um, I'm not sure that we, there are a lot of things we will know until we actually get there. That's right. no, I, I have no argument here, but, but my... The big umbrella is what does it mean to be created in God's image? Um, yes, Eve. I think it would involve several different aspects, you know, not just the character of love, but, you know, he created us with the ability to create. Okay. Not just to create, but to be, to be creative, you know. Um, and so I think both of those are, are in some way supposed to point to who God is. Okay, good. So... <clears throat> giving humanity, Adam and Eve, uh, and the rest of us, the ability to reproduce after our image, that's a very godlike characteristic. Um, in fact, it's, it's so godlike that the angels don't have that capability to reproduce after their own image. You guys ever ponder that? Yeah, they don't. <clears throat> Neither do inhabitants of other worlds. Not that we're aware of, correct. Um, yes, sir. I, I was going to talk about procreation and creativity. Okay. I was just going to say that um, apparently God had the, the same characteristics of female and male. Okay, good. I, I was, that's uh, one of the other questions I had. We'll, we'll get to that in a minute. Uh, created in his image, uh, Adam and Eve were created in his image, not necessarily having a perfect character. 
had a perfect nature, but their character still had to develop as time went on. They didn't have a perfect character. Okay. So they were, they were created with the capability of conversing with God, of seeing him face-to-face, and et cetera, and freedom of choice. But yet they still had, they still had some develop. They weren't, they weren't placed beyond temptation. Uh, they still had development and growing to do. Okay. But they had a mind for thinking and reasoning. Ah, uh, there we go. Is that a godlike characteristic? Reason? Is God reasonable? Think about how many Christians. Think about this carefully. How many Christians in their arguments do not believe that God is reasonable? Most, I heard most, and I agree. The vast majority of Christians do not believe that God's reasonable. They, they may, they may pay lip service to it, but if you listen to some of the things that they, uh, they tell you, it does not, it does not sound like a reasonable God to me. Um, this is a quote, two paragraphs from Patriarchs and Prophets. He, meaning mankind, was placed as God's representative over the lower orders of being. They cannot understand or acknowledge the sovereignty of God, yet they were made capable of loving and serving man. So, one of the one of the ways of being created in God's image is to uh, think and reason and acknowledge the Creator. The psalmist says, quote, Thou madest him to have dominion over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things under his feet, the beasts of the field, the fowl of the air, and whatsoever passeth through the paths of the sea. That's referencing Psalms 8, 6 through 8. Man was to bear God's image, both in outward resemblance and in character. So maybe there are some physical similarities between mankind and, and uh, God. Christ alone is, quote, the express image of the Father, referencing Hebrews 1.3. But man was formed in the likeness of God. His nature was in harmony with the will of God. His mind was capable of comprehending divine things. His affections were pure. His appetites and passions were under the control of reason. He was holy and happy and bearing the image of God in a perfect obedience to his will. Is this providing a clarity of what it might mean to be created in the image of God? And we've, we've discussed some of these things, being reasonable, thoughtful, gift of choice, being able to reproduce in our own image. One of the things we didn't look at was uh, dominion. God gave mankind dominion over the earth. And what, what does it mean to have dominion over something? Really? It doesn't mean you dominate it? No dominion and dominate come from a similar word? Ability to take care of. So God's intent was that we were to care for the earth and care for the animals and the lower life forms and hmm. If we're like him, that would have to be that way. <laughs> Correct. Well said. Is it any wonder then that Two of the, what I, in my opinion, are the most godlike characteristics, the ability to create after our own image and dominion, those, those are the two things that Lucifer and his crew don't have. Is it any wonder that those are the two things that uh, are at the top of his attack list? 
think about it. Think about our ability to reproduce and think about how how that has been uh, attacked and marred by sin. And then think about the concept of dominion. You know, when earthly kingdoms are given dominion, how do they care for those who they are given dominion over? Oppression. Oppression. Coercion. Taxation without representation, etc. Those under take care of those in the <laughs> dominant position instead of those. Often that's what happens. That's correct. That's uh, also well said. Um, it was earlier mentioned that um, that God had male and female, you know, male and female mankind in general were both created in God's image. What what does that mean? In the back, yes. Um, well, actually, uh, on dominion, okay. the comment to take ultimate responsibility for something. All right. I like that. Did everyone hear that? The comment on dominion was uh, he, the person defined uh, dominion as uh, the, uh, to, ultimately take res- to take ultimate responsibility for something. Uh, getting back to the male and female thing, how, what does it mean? Uh, how, how do we uh, reconcile any of these things? Yes. I, I think we were created inherently with different natures, with different roles, with different hearts and minds and things that are important to women and men, from the nurturing, caring, mothering, to the spiritual leadership, hunting, gathering. You know what I'm saying? Regardless of the equality movements, I believe there are distinct roles and functions on in both genders, and I think both of those were, were together in the person of God. Mm, well said. This is, uh, any, anyone have any insight as to why Adam, uh, why Eve was formed from Adam's rib cage? She would be equal, neither dominated or to be dominated. <laughs> That's right. You're, you're well read. This is also from Patriarchs and Prophets. God gave, God himself gave Adam a companion. He provided a help meet for him, a helper corresponding to him, one who is fitted to be his companion and who would be one with him in love and sympathy. Eve was created from a rib taken from the side of Adam, signifying she was not to control him as the head, nor to be trampled under his feet as an inferior, but to stand by his side as an equal, to be loved and protected by him. A part of man, bone of his bone, flesh of his flesh, she was to be his second self. Something to think about, isn't it? Second self. Uh, where do we go? Showing the close union and the affectionate attachment that should exist in this relationship. Quote, for no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it. Referencing Hebrews 5.29. Um, I had never read this until just a few years ago. I had, I grew up having no idea why Eve was taken from a rib. It, it was a mystery to me until, until I read this. And it makes perfect sense. Dr. Moses. Also, it seems that, um, you know, God made Adam out of the collection of, of mud or mm-hmm. whatever. Mm-hmm. And he could have done the same thing for Eve and had two separate creation events of two separate individuals 
but the fact that he had a starter dough. <laughs> right. You know, that he, you know, obviously a rib is not much to create something out of. And mm-hmm. so that was just a part of, right. you know. And it's fascinating to me that Adam, Adam woke up, saw his creator, looked around, saw the life and animals and, you know, looked around and, you know, was given the task of naming them. And he didn't see anyone that remotely resembled him. And then, then Eve was created. So Adam had some consciousness and some awareness and some interaction with uh, his creator before he was put under general anesthesia. And I understood that she was created as a help meet, not a help eat. <laughs> I grew up with that. I give you some insight. There you go. All right, <clears throat> moving along. Do uh, do we have any proof of a uh, an intelligent design creation? Um. There's something that was brought up in a documentary that I was watching, and doesn't so much go into necessarily proof of us being created, but an intelligent designer creating our solar system. Um, Earth is, of course, the only planet that can sustain life. That we know of. That we know of in the solar system. And um, one of the things about it is that the sun and the moon are in perfect position for us to observe um, the coronal spectrum, or yeah, coronal spectrum during an eclipse, and through observing that through spectrometers and stuff, you can figure out what gases the sun's made out of. This is the only planet that that can be observed from. So that kind of points, I think, to an intelligent designer. The simple fact that. You know, God knew that we'd have ended up eventually designing equipment that's going to be able to observe that. Okay. And the uh, fact that He designed that right where it's observable. You're you're getting to my next question, which is, do we have any evidence for creation? My question was, do we have any proof? Okay. Yeah. Proof. Evidence. Proof. <laughs> Sorry. No I'm there. playing playing games with you. No one was there. So, Correct. Mm-hmm. observation doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, an on, online question, comment? It's not actually a question. It's uh, regarding uh, the evidence. There's lots of evidence in the very DNA construction and information was the comment. Okay. And while I'm, you know, you got the camera on me, um, I, <laughs> I also wanted to mention that when you were talking earlier um, there were some comments about um, how it helps us understand the Godhead um, and and the male and female and how um, becoming one helps us understand, you know, God, three and one. Kind okay, good. You know, I completely agree. The, the, the giving, the sharing, the coming together and unity of purpose and, and bringing forth new life and creation. Yeah, absolutely. Um, 
I, I don't think we have any proof of creation. I think we have plenty of evidence, but I don't know if we have any proof. Obviously, my next question is, do we have any proof of evolution? No proof of evolution either. So ne- neither one can be proved. Not much evidence either. <laughs> oh, I, I agree. Um, you know, we, we, can look at, we can look at one piece of evidence and, for example, the fossil record. You know, I, I can I can look at the fossil record and um, uh, dovetail it perfectly with the biblical flood and you know the the pressures that were involved there and et cetera et cetera. The evolutionist looks at the the fossil record and and sees that uh, it occurred over billions of years. Some people say God said it. That proves it. Correct. Correct. God said it. I believe it. That proves it. That settles it. Well, evidence is proof. Is it? Eugene says so. <laughs> hey, I respectfully disagree. It's proof. Evidence is support. Um, it, if we can use our judicial system for an example, um, if if we are being if we're being tried for a crime. The prosecution will present evidence, and certain amounts of evidence are given greater weight. Physical evidence has greater weight than hearsay or circumstantial evidence or the least reliable, which is witness testimony. All of those are various kinds of evidence, but they don't constitute proof. Proof comes in the weighing of the evidence and frankly, you know, to use the, again, the judicial model fails miserably, but, you know, a jury weighs evidence and they create a belief system which is constituted as proof beyond a reasonable doubt. And then you get convicted or uh, exonerated based on the evidence or lack of evidence. <clears throat> so I, I would respectfully disagree that evidence is proof. What other evidence do we have that the earth isn't 50 million years old if we didn't have the Holy Scriptures to go by? Anyone want to tackle that? Not completely. But <laughs> there, are, there are many individual uh, halos and other things uh, have been evidence that it's not 50 million years old. So there are multiple... Scientific. scientific things that are available on both sides of that equation. But it goes back to your paradigm. If you have a way of viewing things, then as things are presented, you will fit them into how you understand the world to be. Correct. If you have a different paradigm, you will fit them into that thing. And I think that just like um, people look at the Bible and come up with 50 different religions, Mm -hmm. the very same evidence that God has given to us, people have used in many and different ways. Well said. Yes. I think we can do the same thing with the evidence that God has given us of creation Mm -hmm. and of, of his love and care for us can be used to other ends. Back to the comment, uh, what, what, 
what does it matter whether we have evidence that the world is uh, you know billions of years old or millions of years old it 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 actually dovetails perfectly with a correct understanding of scripture uh, in our experience if if matter solid matter uh, was in existence in the corner of the universe where we now are that that matter could easily date at billions of years old God, the, the scripture doesn't say that god created the universe in six days, it says he created our our Earth and our solar system in six days. So the mat the matter was already here, rock or or whatever, uh, you know, things that that will date at at uh, you know much more than six to ten thousand years old. Uh, that's that's not a compelling argument, I don't think. Uh, there was a hang on, just a second. There was a comment from online. Oh, there are a few comments from. Oh, good. Um, this is great. One of the comments was evidence can be interpreted in different ways, just as example with the fossils in different strata, mm-hmm. which I, Dr. Moses already kind of mentioned a little bit about. Right. Um, and then another person had mentioned that they, yeah, they agree. People don't have to believe the evidence. Okay. And. Um, and it, it does matter exactly how we're looking, what lens we're looking through. Okay, great. Yeah, just you know, dovetailing nicely with what Dr. Moses said. You know, depending on your your original paradigm, what filter you're looking at things through. Um, and I think the example he gave of of how um, how scripture has been interpreted and misinterpreted to lead. You know, it's the same same scripture, same Bible, same evidence. And yet it gets uh, interpreted in, in wildly different ways. Tim, you had a comment? It seems like there's enough evidence on both sides of evolution and creation to believe either side, just strictly speaking, like why the world is the way it is around us. But the one answer that evolution can't seem to come up with is the ones that we're burning to know, which are why are we here? And why do I feel like I'm missing something? Why, why do I have a need to be loved? All these kind of things. Evolution has no answer for that. Okay. Um, here again, I'm not, I'm, not sure, I'm not sure that I agree that there's overwhelming evidence for both sides. Uh, I think... I guess I just meant that, like, depending on your paradigm... Okay. That's fair. what you believe. That's fair, but, yeah. In terms of that particular question, evolution doesn't even attempt to answer. Right. <laughs> Correct. Um, you know, Tim. Tim made some great points um, three or four weeks ago. I don't. I don't remember exact date, but he he said, um, you know, we we can't we can't cite one example of life coming from non-life. Can't be done. Never happened. Well, it happened once in creating, you know, creation. Life came from non-life because the source of life imparted it. But evolution can't can't provide one example of life coming from non-life. Nor can it provide any example of chaos. Excuse me, of order being created out of chaos without the input of uh, an intelligent overseer or intelligent designer. Okay, It violates the second law of thermodynamics. It violates one of the physical laws. 
because things tend toward disorder unless you put energy into a system. Yes? There's a um, scientific movement to um, create life or to have new life created or whatever. And as you look at those attempts, the, the processes involved become much more and much more complex. And to me, that just gives further evidence that this did not happen with a spark out of the ozone or whatever. Sure. That um, any time you have to set up systems that are that complex to get even the building blocks, then you have to set you have to change the rules by so much <clears throat> that it stretches the ability of saying that this was a spontaneous event that happened somewhere right. in whatever. So I think in trying to create evidence for the spontaneous generation of life, you're actually doing the opposite. Oh, I, I completely agree. I mean, let's 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 take that argument a little further. Let's 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 suggest that. Poof, bang, somewhere, you know, gases developed and, and life, you know, one cell was created and that cell got uh, divided into two. Okay, if, if their theory is correct, then the stronger cell would have eaten the weaker cell and it would have been back to one cell. <laughs> and that cell would have died and life would have ceased to exist. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't hold up to a fifth grade argument. Just in one second, Laura. In the back. Um, Eugene went ahead and um, spoke about uh, Romans one twenty mm-hmm. for the invisible things of Him from the creation of the world are seen clearly, or clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. So the men are without excuse. Mm-hmm. Okay. So even even if we didn't have the the uh, blessing of God's word. We could observe nature with a with a. Yeah, we'd have to observe it with the correct filter, uh, and we could see we could know everything about God that is needful of knowing for us to uh, trust Him. Okay, we can know everything about God, but we can know enough enough to trust Him. Um, Lori. I was just going to give an example. I agree completely with, with what uh, Dr. Moses. What Dr. Moses said, and I, I again, I do come in contact with people pretty regularly. I work in science and technology fields, mm-hmm. and I did always feel like I didn't have a very good background or a very good argument, and I didn't want to get into an argument and argue science and things like that. But I, I saw a sermon at Forest Lake Church, Gary Patterson preached a sermon, very simple but very effective. He had a chalkboard on the on the stage, and he walked through strict probabilities. And his, his ultimate uh, conclusion, he had a hundred-piece jigsaw puzzle. And he threw the box up in the air, and all the pieces fell on the ground. And he wrote on the chalkboard the probability of that event with all the pieces landing right side up. And it was just, it was a significant number of zeros. And then he went to the probability of them all landing right side up and fit together. Mm-hmm. And it, I mean, it wouldn't fit on the chalkboard. Sure. So very simplistic, but if I do get into conversations with people in my field where logic and probability and things like that are, are very meaningful, 
that conversation seems very effective. Because, again, I'm not arguing beliefs or things like that. They understand the laws of probability, and when they start thinking in those terms, it's, it's difficult to, con- to right. contemplate the fact that the universe fit together. So, uh, getting just a second, Don. Think, think about which requires a greater blind faith, a belief in creation or a belief in evolution. I mean, when you, when you boil it down, the, the belief in, in the probability you know, of numbers with you know, staggering, number, staggering amounts of zeros um, versus a belief in, first of all, you have to have a belief in a loving God you know, because there's a, there's a, there's a creation uh, theory called theistic uh, creation. I think that's what it's called. Theistic evolution, excuse me, where God started the process and then said, keep rolling, I'm not intervening. Um, but a, a, uh, the belief in a loving God who created earth and mankind for a purpose, and then mankind failed in that purpose, versus random chance. Uh, I think the belief in evolution requires a greater, much a quantum, uh, a greater leaf of faith, blind faith. Don, you mentioned the criminal justice system. Mm-hmm. You know, talk about different uh, kind of ideas, proof, evidence. In this day and age, there's very few things that are absolute. I mean, common example: yesterday, the jobs numbers comes out. One side says it's great, the other side says it's skewed. Right. This day and age, there's very few things that people all agree on. And I think this whole argument, there is no proof for either one. Because there's there's nothing that can prove it in your mind or my mind because it doesn't exist. What's missing is what we believe in. It's the same way with a jury. You have a criminal justice set up, you're talking about evidence, you present the evidence, and they say it's proof, but it's only proof if the jury agrees with it. If the jury rejects it, then it's not proof. Correct. In the absolute sense of the term proof. So proof is, we want to say it's an objective thing, but it's really not. It's subjective only if it's believed by the the receiver of the proof. So this argument that we're talking about, not really an argument, but our ability to discuss this issue has to boil down to faith. Because there's not proof. It takes faith to believe in evolution. It takes faith to believe in, like you just said, in creation. And it's what you want to believe in. And I don't think it's very logical to argue with someone about evolution and lead them to God. Because they have to understand a desire to want to know a God and then creation makes sense to them. In other words, arguing with somebody about evolution is, is about as likely to lead them to God as throwing that puzzle up in the air and hoping it falls. Because they're not going to... It's a different channel. In other words, there has to be an awareness or an opening within them to want to know God. And if they, if they have that desire, like he mentioned in the back, to know why we exist, why are we here, you know, and, and to know we have a place for God in our life, then suddenly the faith and the belief in God leads us to a recognition of His sovereignty and His creative power. Well, to take that a step further, uh, it matters what type of a God we're leading them to. It matters on what type of a God they, they believe in. Uh, if you believe in, a, in an arbitrary, 
capricious uh, God, who a demanding God, uh, a God who's who's um, restrained by justice in order to mete out punishment for violations of an imposed law, then I can see how you reject you reject that law, reject that God, and reject anything associated with that God, and say, you know what, I'd rather believe I descended from a primate. But when you understand that God is love, correct, and that's that's what we have to be about portraying to those around us. But until they understand that God is love, they don't care about creation. Uh, well they said. Don't care about anything else. God is love. That's the basic <laughs> statement that we have to be about in our life. That opens many doors right. for many conversations, for many... I agree, uh, and you're 20 minutes ahead of me. Well said. <laughs> in the back, yes. It seems like creation and evolution both start with, uh, with a hypothesis. Okay. And then we look for evidence to support either creation or evolution. Can it not work the other way around where we have the evidence... And then we reach a conclusion. It seems we've got it upside down somehow. Mm-hmm. Well, I, yes, I, I, I see where you're coming from on that. Online? Um, yes, evidence is objective until it comes in contact with man's intelligence or lack thereof. Evidence is objective until it comes in contact with man's intelligence or lack of intelligence. <laughs> I'm going to have to process that for a little bit. <laughs> Wendell? When Christ was talking to Nicodemus, he said, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. When I grew up, I understood that, that unless I was born again, I could not go to heaven. I'm not certain that's what that means. I mean, it may be true. But also... I cannot comprehend something without God helping me to comprehend. I cannot even see it intellectually without being born again. Unless I'm healed of the damage that has been created by believing Lucifer's lies and having this contaminated condition, which we call sin, Mm Unless we are born again into God's kingdom, we can't even see. Because spiritually things are spiritually discerned. Right. Right. Okay, yes. Excellent. Yes, sir. It seems that whatever we consider as proof or evidence, the question always comes up, what is most sustainable? Even if we believe in God, the kind of God that we believe in, is that sustainable? Did everyone hear that? His question is, you know, what what sort of belief system is sustainable? This, um, I want to give you some statistics from a couple of Gallup polls on creation versus evolution. One's from 2007, one's from 2010. In 2007, they basically were a statistical draw that 49% of of, uh, Americans surveyed believe in evolution, 48% do not, and 2% have no opinion. 
That's a big cricket crawling on the floor. Um, as expected, more highly educated adults believe in evolution. Now, why is that expected? That's what they were taught in their education. Seventy-four percent of people with postgraduate degree degrees believe in evolution. Uh, along with 48% of college graduates, 50% of adults with some college, and 41% of adults with high school or less. So this is why this is one of the reasons why uh, we here in the South are looked down upon by those in the West and the Northeast and the Northwest uh, as being dumb rednecks because we believe in creation. And, well, it, you know, they've... They have a seventh grade education. It's understandable. Uh, more frequent attendance to religious services correlated with a lack of belief in evolution. 24% of those who attend weekly believe in evolution. So one-fourth believe in evolution of people who, uh, one-fourth of people who attend services once a week believe in evolution. Half of those who attend nearly weekly or monthly believe in evolution, and 71% of those who seldom attend services believe in evolution. Interesting. Uh, and as expected, political affiliation reflects a difference of opinion as well. 30% of Republicans believe in evolution, 68% do not. 61% of independents believe in evolution, 37 do not. And 57% of Democrats believe in evolution, 40 do not. This is what I found interesting. The five main reasons why people say they do not believe in evolution are their belief in Jesus Christ, their belief in God, due to my religion or faith, not enough evidence, and a belief in the Bible. How many of those five reasons are good ones? I think only one of them is a good one. Not enough evidence. I agree. You know, the, the belief in, you know, due to my religion or faith, I mean, think, think about that from, put yourself in an evolutionist perspective and you're talking with a creationist and then you ask him, well, why do you believe in creation? Oh, because of my religion, because I'm a Seventh-day Adventist. What if you turn that around and you ask an evolutionist why they don't believe in creation and they say, because of my lack of faith? My lack of religion, my lack of the Lord in my life. I doubt you would get any that would give that answer. I'm sure they wouldn't say it, but I mean, it's, it seems like it's a... Uh, yeah, okay, I'll ask you where you're going with that. Yeah, it's, it's, it's every bit as silly an answer. Yeah. Yeah, okay, I got you now. Yeah, you're right. I mean, that's why most of the time people believe in evolution. 25% of people who go once a week believe in evolution. Mm -hmm. They probably just misread the question or something. <laughs> <laughs> The majority of people who have the Lord in their life believe in creation, the majority who don't. I mean, so mm -hmm. to me, it's. There's, there's a lot of yeah. There are a lot of Christians who yeah. believe in evolution. Uh, there are a lot of Adventists who believe in evolution. From the 2010 poll, uh, a belief in creation science seems to be largely a U.S. phenomenon um, among the Western half of the world. British survey of 103 Roman Catholic priests, Anglican bishops, and Protestant ministers slash pastors um, showed that 97% do not believe the world was created in six days. 
British. 103 Catholic priests, Anglican bishops, Protestant ministers and pastors. 97% did not believe in a literal six-day creation. I'm still confused on this last question. Okay. About the Christians not believing in creation. I know that you said the Bible is not a good reason to believe in creation. I understand that. But then they not even believe the Bible on anything? How can you not? I, I don't think I said the Bible is not a good reason to, to well, that believe. Well, one of the five things, wasn't it? No. No proof or whatever. Belief in Jesus Christ, belief in God, uh, yeah, because of my religion or faith, yeah. not enough evidence. Oh, I'm sorry, you're right, belief in the Bible. Okay. And how can you believe the Bible on anything if you don't believe it on creation? Why do they believe it for anything? Why do they believe that there was Jesus that came to the earth? Why do they believe that there's going to be, he's going to come again? Why do they believe anything if they don't believe creation? Excellent question. I, I, that's one I don't have an answer for. <laughs> well, that's why we have thousands of different churches. I mean, you could say that same thing for any doctrine. How can they believe this if they don't believe that? It goes back to you it's know, all mixed up. To Wendell's comment earlier, you read the same Bible and, and get a different message from I'm it. Not I'm not defending this line of reasoning, but I think the line of reasoning goes something like... <clears throat> In the same way other parts of the Bible are symbolic. An allegory you know, type. Mm-hmm. The creation story is also could be symbolic. And even if God was involved, he could have used evolution and it could have taken all that long because trying to bridge what's, what seems like solid evidence from what we're always told mm-hmm. about evolution with their faith. It's a way to, to, to make it work. Yeah. Day is a thousand years, etc., etc. I'm glad we live in the South. Well, I I really think this goes back to it goes back to the type of God you believe in. I mean, if if you believe in an arbitrary God, then you can come up with a, a you know a a doctrine that creation well is really just an allegory. It occurred. It didn't occur in six days. A day is like a thousand years for the Lord, so it occurred over six thousand years. Um, if you believe in, if you believe in a loving God who is yes powerful, but doesn't use his power to force or coerce, then you believe in a God that could speak and it would happen. So, um, yeah, I, I see how it gets derailed. I don't, I don't support the derailment, but I see how it can get derailed. Yes, sir. The fact that the universe has not disintegrated after billions of years is the fact that there is a God in heaven who loves us, who loves his creation, and who sustains this. I, I, I think that's a great piece of evidence to support that argument, absolutely. I, I think it's a fantastic piece of evidence. Peggy. Um, most people, uh, many, many people, children, go to public school. And back when I was going to school, and even today, there is so much evolution taught through the public schools and also through the colleges. And when you go to college, you go to learn, so you believe what they teach you. So there's part of it right there. A lot of people believe everything they're taught in school and do not go and really study and think for themselves. Uh, There was a very famous trial in this state back in the 30s Um, on that same, uh, same issue. Scopes Monkey Trial, I believe it's referred to as. Um, Dayton. I, I thought it was Pikeville, but close. Dayton. Dayton. All right. 
Let's see. We're oh, back to this Anglican pastors and uh, priests, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. They said 97% do not believe the world was created in six days. 80% do not believe in the existence of Adam and Eve as actual persons. A couple of other statistics: um, atheists make up two to four percent mm-hmm. of the population. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> right. But in the scientific community, natural scientists, upwards about seventy percent are atheists. Wow. So I think that's one reason when you hear uh, strong opponents for evolution, they tend to be scientists, they yep. tend to be atheists. But in the general population, you could have a lot of people that aren't atheists that believe in evolution. Uh, thank you. And I, I didn't know that the, the statistics were that skewed. It doesn't surprise me, but I wasn't aware of it. Yes? I, I hear a statistic like that, and I can't help but wondering of that 70-some percent, how many of them were raised going to church, having some aspect of Christ and Christianity in their life, but the kind that they had yep. say, I, I can't go here, so right. i got to go somewhere else. And so my intellect and what I'm learning in school and what seems logical that's where I'm going to go. They reject the idea that God could burn his children in hell forever. For example. Rightly so. Yeah. Um, I want to get a little bit about how um, in, actually we're all the way to Wednesday's lesson by now. <clears throat> Wednesday's lesson is entitled A Defiled Image. Uh, obviously sin has defiled God's image uh, in mankind. Think about Let's just think about some ways that the sin has defiled God's image. Shout them out. Fear. Fear. Excellent. It's top of my list. The aging process. Yes. Good. We've been separated from the tree of life. So now uh, we don't look we don't look like we used to. And we don't I don't think we look like we certainly don't look like God himself, and, and we don't look like mankind as it was originally created. Uh, if, you, if you value Ellen Wright's writings, she suggests that Adam was, 12 what, 12, 15 feet tall, and Eve was a head shorter? They're big people. I mean, it's 15 feet tall would be almost to the ceiling? I mean, I, we, a six-foot guy would reach to his knee. Yeah, before the flood, they lived 900-plus years. Okay. Our lifespans have been significantly shortened. Specifically, the fear of rejection. That's what makes peer pressure so powerful. Okay. Yep, good. Fear is a big umbrella. Looking at yourself. Oh, good one. Yeah, oh, that, that's also under the fear umbrella because fear, fear inspires that uh, desire to, to seek self and to... To uh, look out for look out for yourself, yeah. And in, since marriage is an illustration of God's love and mm-hmm. the coming together, I think domestic violence and the whole thing about marriage has been attacked tremendously to to get rid of the image of God in it. Right. The family has been attacked as well. Family. Moral depravity. Moral decay. I mean, we could we could go on for the rest of the afternoon. Uh, about how many ways sin has defiled um, God's original image. So, what what was Adam and Eve's original design intent? What, what, what was their what was their purpose? 
Give glory to God. Give glory to God. Um, does it go deeper than that? Demonstrate his character to the, to the watching universe. To reveal his government to the onlooking universe because... <coughs> He'd been accused. He'd been accused by Satan of not because he had been accused of not being fair. Of not being fair, of treating Satan and his angels uh, maliciously by casting them out of heaven, etc., etc. Um. So when I, I think I think this is uh, actually uh, a, a significant key to the whole creation versus evolution process is that is understanding the concept, of the great controversy perspective that. The, uh, that I believe is so unique to our um, denomination. If you understand that God had a reason behind creating an Adam and Eve and a purpose for them, and Satan quickly grasped that if the, remain, the remainder of the universe, if they were allowed to, if they were allowed to reveal that uninterrupted, then the rest of the universe would would get it, and his cause would be. Lost, he, he wouldn't have any. He wouldn't have any sympathizers at all, and he would no longer be. His purpose to be exalted in their hearts and minds would be forever cast, on, you know, uh, trampled underfoot. So he very quickly instilled the distrust. Anyone ever wonder why he targeted Eve first? Anyone other than me? Here you stand though. <laughs> really? I mean, I I don't think it was random chance. I don't think he flipped the coin no. and said, hmm, okay, heads it'll be Adam, tails will be Eve. Okay, we'll, we'll target Eve. I'm not sure he targeted Eve. She left Adam and went to the tree. He was there. And that's always bothered me. I don't think he went and tried to convince her to leave. I think he knew where the weaknesses were. If they were created equal as help meets, not help beats, whatever, why in the world wasn't she allowed to walk around where she wanted to go without being by his side all the time? That has never made a whole lot of sense to me. I mean, did they have to do everything together? They're out picking berries or whatever, and they have to stay side by side all the time? Was that, of course, going to be throughout, or is that was just a testing time till the testing time was over? Can you imagine the rest of your life have to stand side by side your mate? No, I cannot. <laughs> uh, great questions. Any any thoughts? I think what happened when they were apart is a good inclination of why they were advised to to, stay to remain together. I understand that, but why? I understand that when she left his side, that's when the temptation happened. And there's strength in numbers, I understand all that. But what I don't understand is if they were created as equals, as equals, why do they have to be together all the time? There's nothing that actually says that they had to be right. together all the time. It when just, she left his side, she did leave his side, and that left her vulnerable. Well, but does that make you think that she should have stayed by his side all the time? Because anytime she left his side, she would have been no. It, it really gets to me that perhaps in her... In doing that, she was unwise in going to that particular tree, but she was also unwise in making the decision alone when they were equal. Maybe it wasn't a physical leaving of side. It was more than just that. That's what I'm wondering. There's more to the story than than just that, that she just left his side. A comment from uh, online? 
Yeah, there's a few comments. I'm sure there are. <laughs> Men, men's love is different than women's. Men will follow women quicker than women will follow men. And um, more of that comment is Satan attacks the stronger one, Eve. I, <laughs> I, I'm going to suggest that uh, their argument is, is correct, but it's, it's correct because of sin. I don't think that men follow women. I don't think that originally men followed women quicker than uh, women follow men. However, it, it's it's always fascinated me that that Eve was the first one tempted, and then she, then she was used to tempt Adam. So why? And I. You said you have a thing why she was first tempted. I I think. I think Lucifer observed something in her and perceived some character trait. And it may have been complete innocence. It may have been a pure innocence that he, that he could exploit. And opportunity presented itself, and he, he masterfully tempted her to distrust God. They had not developed their characters as yet. Correct. They, they were staying together. They would have. They were still in. That's right. They were still in the development process. And, <laughs> and I'm going to suggest that Adam, in the scope of things, uh, made the bigger mistake because he made a conscious choice. What has she done? We were told not to do this. Okay, give me the fruit. I don't want to live without you. But see, you can call that an act of love, too. <laughs> Cody Pennant. Yeah, I... <laughs> he loved her too much, he didn't want to live without her, but that's not... I, I don't think that's... I don't think that's a great definition of love. Right? Oh, we probably should have started with this. <laughs> I think it was a complete disobedience on her part in that she had been told not to go to that tree or to eat anything from it. So she disobeyed. Well... Patriarchs and Prophets indicates that she was caught up in the uh, in gathering food or, or gardening or whatever, and found herself in the middle of the garden. I don't, I don't think she intentionally said, "Okay, he's not looking. I'm going to go look at that tree that we were told not to look at, with the the you know, silver and gold apples." So, um, I don't think she, I don't think she willfully made the choice to uh, go try the. She believed the lie. That's right. Absolutely. That's correct. And look, look how that panned out. Was she not coaxed to, to come to the tree? Beg your pardon? Was she not coaxed once she got close to that tree? She found herself near the tree, and then the serpent spoke to her, and, you know, she said, what, a talking snake? Don't remember that one in the list. So. What's that? The tree was not somewhere in the corner. No, the tree wasn't in some dark recess uh, out in the periphery of the garden. It was in the middle of it. We need to we need to wrap things up. Uh, I appreciate uh, all your inputs, dear Heavenly Father. Uh, we again thank you for being a creator. We thank you for sending Jesus as the second Adam to accurately and completely reveal your character and to. Continue the work that the first Adam failed to do and for giving us a chance um, and for giving us a chance to know you, the one true God, the only source of life, and for the gift of eternal life. Please go with us in the, this week and bring us safely back in the weeks ahead. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.